exciting episode of Let's Chat RPGs. I'm your host, as always, Dr. RPG Jeff Harvey. Joining me today is a guest who will be joining me for the first time in the future uh, in episode five. This is episode, I think, possibly, probably two, although maybe three. I don't know. We'll see when it comes out. I hope you enjoy the show. And today we're going to be talking about uh, AI in role-playing games. It's a very controversial issue. Uh, I know a lot of people are for it. I know that Wizards of the Coast is at least kind of for it. Uh, I, on the other hand, am generally opposed to it in a, on a professional level, um, but I do use AI in some of my writing, my own personal game writing and stuff like that. So just to establish a quick uh, where you're standing on this topic, uh, Kent, do you have any particular thoughts one way or the other? Well, AI is the future of, of all industry. I mean, they're trying to incorporate it in so many ways to so many different styles of art forms, but I do think that it does kind of deprive the creativity of, of man, of people. Right. Uh, I think it is inevitable. I think that it is going to be incorporated into our day-to-day lives quicker than we know and in more ways than we know. But I think that RPG storytelling, uh, even role-playing itself, is a art form. And I think to incorporate more and more AI to it takes a lot of agency away from the people who participate in it agreed to some extent anyways um certainly ai is a huge part of our everyday lives we our vehicles have ai our phones are basically built on ai platforms um a lot of our smart technologies around the house even refrigerators have a lot of ai in them now laptops of course are using ai Um, it is literally everywhere even if you don't think it is it's everywhere um, tabletop RPGs have seen a huge increase in the use of uh, AI in recent years to enhance not only gameplay and storytelling, but also player experiences. Um, the use of AI in writing TTRPGs is extremely controversial, and that's something that I definitely want to touch on. Um, some people argue that it's unethical to use AI-generated art content, especially artwork, uh, because it takes uh, some elements from other people to create something that is new. Um, there's also the argument that it is that's how all art works. All art is derivative of something else. So AI being a, being an art or writing uh, uh, can you really you can fall on either side of it. There's definitely value to the tools that it, that are there, um, but ultimately decision for using this stuff will fall to the individual. Um, I know that. Uh, go ahead. Well, one hundred percent, and I think that there are benefits to it. I think that. It is going to create a stable platform. And I mean, even video games are getting more and more intelligent all the time right. uh, in their design. I mean, look at Baldur's Gate 3. Like, it's become so customizable to the point that they can update storylines on a rapid pace, that they can create new content on a rapid pace. Uh, and while that is beneficial, where's the the artists and the authors they could be using for it, the people that they could be paying? I mean, a lot of people right. could potentially be put out of work by this. Yes. Um, I know that the one of the artists working for Dungeons and Dragons latest book, Big B presents the glory of the giants stated that he, they, they used AI art to generate certain details or polish and editing in a recent a post that was on Twix or Twitter or whatever they're calling it these days. Um, the community backlash on that though, again, is very similar to what you're saying. It's, this was someone who had submitted, someone had submitted artwork uh, to be published in D and D and then AI was used to polish and edit that artwork, uh, without the authors or the creator in this case's, uh, knowledge or consent. Um, not only can it put people out of work in 
secondary writers is one of the big things that is going on with the Hollywood strike right now is that there's a lot of AI generated content or at least potential content uh, coming from things like chat AI or uh, chat GPT uh, and other chat AIs. Um, what's your thoughts on using in this, in this particular context, like using art to polish or edit finalizing editing like i use grammarly which is an ai uh, i use it to help me with my my constant writing i also use it to help keep track of how many words i write which are too many well i think it's up to the artist honestly like if the artist is trying to put forth a certain quality of work a certain style of work i think using ai without their permission to polish up their artwork a takes away some of the qualities that make their artwork what it is and right. b it's really, really, really convenient excuse to kind of cut the artist out of the mix, to use them as a base right. model for what they're trying to create. And then by polishing it up, they can say, well, it's not really yours anymore, so we don't have to pay you for it. We don't have to give you credit for it. We can say all these things. We can give you this small base lump to give us the the basically framework for it, but then we're going to take it from here and it's no longer in your hands. And if they do have their name attached to it, it's something that they want to be representative of them representative of their art style or representative of what right. they do and once ai gets its hands on it maybe it's not theirs anymore but if an artist decides to use ai for their piece and then submit their piece that's up to them at that point right you said you mentioned royalties and in that i know a lot of companies are trying to get away from paying royalties or paying artist fees in general um, but at the same time you're also talking about using ar in your own ai in your own artwork it's your choice the the point though, especially with artwork, is since AI scrapes the internet and takes art from everywhere, if you're using it to polish or or edit your own artwork, aren't you essentially using your artwork and taking someone else's art to better enhance your art? I absolutely think so, and I think that's going to be the same case with writing. Like if it is using the internet, it is using tens of hundreds, possibly even thousands of other artists' work, uh, and it is millions. Yeah, bastardizing that work and kind of take making this almost like Frankenstein's monster amalgamation of all these other people's work. And at that point, all of those people who they're being drawn from should be seeing pay from it. That's why you hire an artist is because you want their specific stuff. It's not that you want a little bit of everybody's stuff. And while I'm one of the few in the mindset of that, there's not really that many original ideas left over in the world. Right. Um, at the same time, like it is your take, your view, your perspective on those ideas that you're putting forward, uh, even mm -hmm. if it does have inspiration from things, inspiration is different than direct stealing. Right. I will say that, that using chatbots, especially ChatGPT for prompts for things that I want to do in my games, I, I do use it. Uh, I use ChatGPT in, uh, I don't use it in my script writing, but I use it in my my gaming stuff. So I'll write like, okay, I wanted, I have this scene in my mind and I want to write out more detail in the scene. So here's what I have in mind. I feed that into the chat GPT bot and then ask it for more detail. And it does a good job. And I will say that using chat GPT four, uh, which is the newer, I think there's a five out now, but I don't, I don't pay for it at the moment. Um, four is it, it doesn't sound like anyone else's writing. You can make it sound like other people's writing, but it sounds like it's deriving its own take on things uh, through your lens. Obviously, the more you use ChatGPT, the more it sounds like you. Um, right. 
So I, I don't know that it's necessarily terrible to use, but I don't know that it feels like it doesn't feel like that Frankenstein's monster you're talking about. It feels like it could be your own work, especially if you really get in there and do with it. Um, whereas I think AI artwork, like visual arts, I should say, because writing is an art form, visual art, I think is way more, it's way easier to determine the, the derivatives of it. Um, I think you see a lot more of it. I've used uh, Leonardo and I've used um, the other one. I can't remember what it's called, but the one it's one of the more famous ones that's used in uh, uh, discord. Um, and I used that one for a while and I liked the results. I didn't use the results anywhere. Uh, that is not true. I used the results of, of a lot of refinement uh, into using a cat lady picture for my Star Trek game just to see what I thought of it, like to see what I, I felt. Um, and I don't think I'm going to do it again. I don't think I'm going to use AI artwork in that, that capacity again because uh, that does feel Frankenstein-y, but the writing to me feels less Frankenstein. Maybe it's the way I'm using it. I don't know. What are your thoughts on <laughs> sure. that? Well, at the same time, this is your product that you're putting out. So if you want to sure. take your words and put them through chat GPT, if you want to use input from outside services for something that you are creating, that's your choice. You are still in full control of that. It's only your name on it. You know, maybe the names of your players, but they're going to bring their own input to it, mm -hmm. obviously, through the play. But when you are the writer or you are the artist and you are deciding to take those extra steps, you are taking responsibility for whatever that thing creates and whether you use it or not. What these bigger companies are doing is they are cutting out creatives. They're taking it away from the people who are, this is all they wanted to do. This is their job. This is their life. And they are basically saying like, yeah, we're going to take what you did and we're going to, you know, use all these other processes uh, to basically change it or, or manifest what we want out of it. And therefore it's no longer what they created. It's mm. inspired by what they created. And I right. know that there's editors and there's producers and stuff already that they have to go through and all these different filters they have to go through. But at the end of the day, like they're still, they're writing, you know what I mean? Like they may have to change yeah. it. They may have to alter it, but it's still their writing that's going through. Whereas in this case, will it even be that anymore? Will it even be their art anymore? Will it even be their product? And will they still get credit and pay where it's due for what they do, even if it does go through these filters of AI, of whatever the case may be. Right. I will say that using AI art and AI writing in RPGs is not exclusive to Dungeons and Dragons and the big companies. Uh, in 2023, the game publisher Cubicle Quest uh, released the TTRPG The Darkest Dungeon, uh, Maldred Manor. Maldred Manor? Uh, I don't know which featured AI-generated art for its cover and interior illustrations. The game's creators also said that they used AI art because it allowed them to create more of an atmospheric style and visual uniqueness to their game, which I suppose is sort of true. Um, it's going to be the same as anyone else who uses that AI style, but uh, also in 2002, TTRPG Blades and Souls released a Kickstarter campaign to fund a new core book, or a new book that was using AI-generated adventures. The campaign was successful, uh, and the book is expected to be released sometime in 2023. I, I don't think it's already been released, but um, the creators of the book said that they were using uh, AI to potentially revolutionize CTRPG design, uh, and that they were excited to see the technology develops as it comes to the future. Obviously, while we know there's been a backlash on Dungeons & Dragons and Wizards of the Coast for a multitude of things, not the least of which is this AI artwork they're using in Big B's Presents, 
Um, but Kickstarter is public opinion. It, the money comes from the public. So clearly not everyone is opposed to this. If blades and souls was able to be released successfully, successfully funded on Kickstarter. Um, I guess the question really is, is what have you ha- dealing with a number, a large number of players in your campaign of, um, vampire, um, say by nights. Mm-hmm. What do you think your play? Do you, do you, do you use AI in your larger campaigns? Do your players have a response to that AI use? Do your players, have you seen a response from them in the context of AI? I personally have not used or incorporated any AI into uh, St. Pete by Night or into any of my gaming so far. Does that mean I never will in the future? Who's to say? But really, Mm -hmm. we have a number of talented artists in our community. We have a number of people who have a lot to contribute. We have six to eight storytellers at this point that are bringing their own fresh perspectives and views and storytelling abilities to the table. And I would really always rather source to people i would always rather right. you know give people an opportunity because you and i both know as nerds for over 30 years it's our dream job well right. who what nerd coming up didn't want to write their own system or tell their own story or you know Absolutely. be an artist contributing to something like this and the more and more we head into the future the less and less likely that's going to be so we are not only taking away jobs and possibly taking away flow of income from people who really, really need it. We're taking away opportunities. We're taking away dreams by using this, by mm-hmm. transitioning to this model. I mean, who doesn't want to work for Dungeons and Dragons or Wizards of the Coast? Now you might not even be able to get the chance to. You might never right. get the chance to, especially if they become fully reliant on that. That's a whole bunch of dreams just flush down the toilet. Um, but to their benefit, I do want to take the opposite side of this. It'll be a lot easier to put content out faster. And that's why I think there are people who will support it because they want more books. They want more material. They want more content from these big creators and they'll get it. There won't be as many, you know, production delays because they're waiting on art or they're waiting on writing. They can just put whatever they want into the machine and the machine will spit it out and they could just put it right to page. But also that could mean that the quality of that stuff is going to go down too. Right. And that's one thing uh, I was talking to uh, one of my players, one of my regular players for the Pendragon game I'm running. Uh, he didn't really have a strong opinion on AI. Like he, he knows that AI right now, it's bad at making hands. It doesn't do guns and knives and swords very well. It doesn't do, which is fine. It doesn't need to do weapons very well. Um, it, the AI writing often sounds wooden and stale. And that's all true today. But that might not be true in two years or six months. At the rate that AI is advancing, um, I think that AI can sound very realistic and engaging. And I think it can create engaging in character uh, characters and encounters um, and eliminate, as you were saying, a lot of human, a lot of the human side of it. So now editors can just go in, generate a, a quick AI thing, publish it. And bring, I think that could very, very likely bring down the quality of gaming as a whole. And I think right now we're at a precipice of, we're having a hard time with game masters. Like no one wants to be a game master. Uh, I know a lot of people who are using solo RPGs and things like chat GBT to be artificial game masters. And we know that there are companies out there like Dungeons and Dragons who are trying to create digital humanless dungeon master experiences. Um, I think that 
with all of that in context, all of these, where we're headed with all of this, um, I think we're going to run, I think we're going to run aground and run afoul of the idea that people can game master anymore. And I think gaming will become, I don't know. I think AI has the potential to really kind of not only, I, I think we're already in the down tail of the, the RPG Renaissance that we, the, the revolution. 100%. I think we're in the downtail of that, but I think that AI will actually push that decline farther and faster. Uh, and we'll get more people who are going to play Baldur's Gate. Uh, three at Baldur's Gate 3 basically becoming the new virtual tabletop platform because again as you said earlier we can just pump out like rapidly pump out new content that may not be as high quality doesn't have the flair of the individual storyteller uh, and doesn't have the uh, the oversight I guess of a human mind I don't know I think that's a real concern that I have for for the future of gaming well, let's come back to what you said about like two years from now, you know, it's wooden now, but what's it going to be like in two years? There's a, right. a saying that if you put a hundred monkeys with a hundred typewriters in a room for a hundred years, they'll produce Shakespeare. Like, of course, over time, it's going to evolve and develop. But I think that one of the things that has always made TTRPG games and the TTRPG community so solid and so have, give it so much depth is the fact that there's a human connection that there's a sense of community that people are interacting and collaborating and doing all of this together it's a it's a nice social outlet for people who might be deficient in certain social skills or might be neurodivergent like a lot of people who have a certain social awkwardness are drawn to what ttrpgs present what they create right. it's an opportunity to practice social skills with this kind of buffer of well it's all make-believe it's it's pretend it's not necessarily real you know human interactions that have real human consequences uh and i think that if you're going to go the route of doing ai everything we have that it's video games we've been doing that like they have had for some time, these these AI generated platforms, even if they weren't as technologically advanced. So using AI and video gaming, fine. Again, you're taking away from artists and writers, but that's kind of it's technologically based anyway. But when it comes to like a tabletop platform, people still love in-person games. People still love getting together with their friends, with their books and their pencils and their sheets and their dice and sitting down and i don't think ai can ever take away from that but also in a post-pandemic world people are relying more on online gaming than they ever have before and so it's kind of going to be the nature of the beast but i do think it's going to be a problem i do think it is going to decrease the quality and therefore it's going to decrease the attraction that ttrpgs provide i'm sure at first people are going to love that they can log on at any time and play with a robot essentially that allows them to go on adventures but eventually they're gonna see like this isn't what i want out of it and either they're gonna turn back to in-person gaming or they're just gonna be put off of it entirely which i think is the real big problem that we could face right. with this is if they are put off it entirely the whole industry goes down right and that's kind of my biggest concern uh i think you're right that you can't replace the experience of sitting at a table and role-playing and i think even playing online you don't get that real experience sitting at a table and rolling dice with your friends and whatnot. I think that, or, or even if it's not your home table, but I like get a store table or a convention table. I think there's nothing that compares to that experience. It's like sitting around the campfire and telling stories. You can do that through zoom 
kind of, but it never is going to be, it's never going to have the same feel, the same atmosphere. But I think you're right. And the thing that concerns me is that is the more we go into this AI world, we are going to, one, we're going to dumb down players' ability to be able to do the things like the math. We already have things like uh, D&D Beyond that do all the math and creation and stuff for you. So you don't understand the rules as well because the game is doing it for you. But you also don't necessarily get the same experience uh, as a player, the the satisfaction of being the, uh, getting the story that really appeals most to you because it's an ai it doesn't understand you it can't read your body language it can't understand the subtleties of your of your vocal um responses maybe it can eventually i don't know um but right now none of that's going to be there i think that the big fear i have is again people going to be turned off to the the idea of gaming as a whole which will hurt the industry um and it, it will also give people the as i said before the opportunity to never try game mastering because now they don't have to they can use these ai systems to game master and i think that plays into a problem that we're already having in this in this hobby that there no one wants to run games anymore well i think Um, that's what they're hedging their bets on though i think that's what the the big companies are hedging their bets on is like they're focusing more on the generation of zoomers the people who are raised or coming up during this time of well this is the norm this is what they they have always known to be the case since they were young since 2020 since whatever they've been used to this so it's not going to be as much of a shock to them and they'll just age out the generations that knew anything else they'll just wait out the generations that did get raised on pencil and paper that did get raised on storytelling and in-person game mastering and everything like that they're just going to wait us out and then have this new generation that's just like yep we've accepted this this is great this is all we've ever known right and then it won't even matter yeah and i think that they've got their brands especially the the larger company has their brands and they're going to just milk those as much as they can. I don't think tabletop RPGs are really their focus anymore. No. I do believe that virtual tabletops like, uh, I think Baldur's Gate 3 is is a prime example of what virtual tabletops will end up being. MMOs, uh, WoW, when WoW came out, D&D 4th edition was created to try to capture that WoW audience not understanding the difference in audiences. And I think that that's something that we're not, that we're seeing in the AI problem now too, is games like Baldur's Gate or really forgetting Baldur's Gate altogether, but D&D Beyond and the platform that D&D is creating for the next Dungeons and Dragons version that comes out, D&D 6th or whatever we're going to call it. Um, the That platform I think is going to reduce people's understanding and acceptance of what tabletops are now and make it harder to get out of that atmosphere out out of that uh they're gonna get more locked into that um that walled garden is the word i'm looking for for sure um yeah and i think that ai is gonna play a big part in that uh i think having ai assist with automation of certain rules enforcements and calculations and things like that uh, i use fantasy grounds so there's there's i wouldn't necessarily call it ai but there's scripting in that program that does that and i think that ai can be used in that capacity to make gaming more accessible to players but there's a very very real danger of it going too far what are your thoughts on ai at the table let's say we're we're sitting around a table and playing uh vampire or whatever 
uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and we've got um, an opportunity to use phone apps or iPad apps or computer apps or whatever to help make the game easier and more accessible for people who are uh, deaf or blind or uh, in other words, other, other disabilities or learning disabilities or divergencies, just bad at math. Like what are your thoughts on that type of AI usage? Well, I think it's a, it, it parallels the invention of cell phones and the internet to be completely honest. Like, do you remember a time when you wanted to know something and you just had to live with not knowing or that you had <laughs> to wait and really go find the answers yourself. And maybe it would take days, weeks, months, years to even right. get the answer to this question that you wanted. There was this like sense of wonder and almost this like elation when you did find out, whereas now it's all instantaneous. It's all at your fingertips. Like you want to know something, you just type it into your phone wherever you are in the world and you can get an answer within seconds. And we just kind of come complacent with it. Like all of that wonder, all of that mystery just goes away. It'd be nice if more people actually did that. Well, it would be. Yeah, of course. And it would be nice if people believed in science and facts, but that's not what we're talking about today. Um, But that's that's what's going to happen with gaming, too. Realistically, is like there is something magical at a table of breaking a story or like characters uncovering a plot line or even as a storyteller uh, having to change course from what you had originally planned, but finding something better in doing that based off of the players inspiring you. I feel like this is going to, if, if we do it this way, if AI does get incorporated more at the tables and, you know, it does take some of that agency away, we're going to grow numb to it. We're Mm -hmm. just going to, we're going to be like the people in Wally, just fed content and right. fed answers to everything to the point that we aren't even trying anymore. And it's just going to be like, yeah, OK, we, we we're just going to accept less just because it's easier, just because it's there. And I well, think because that, we're, we're trained to a point where we don't know that there's something else to expect. 100%, 100%. And I I think that we as people are going to get even dumber. We as gamers are going to get even dumber and less mm-hmm. creative because it's just being fed to us. It's just being right. shoved down our throats of like, this is what it is. This is what we do. And I think that I think it's it's a disastrous direction to head in. But I think I want to go back to what we were saying about like, Baldur's Gate and everything like that. One of the most popular games of all time, Skyrim, one person game where you interacted with a completely simulated environment that you could just spend forever in. Like Mm -hmm. there was, unless you played through the whole story, you could stay in Skyrim forever. And that game just got replaced by Baldur's Gate 3. Right. And then at the same time, Diablo 4, another huge game that's out right now. All of these games are becoming more accessible uh they just announced baldur's gate 3 is going or, or yeah baldur's gate 3 is going to be cross-platform compatible just like yes. diablo so you're going to be able to play on your playstation and your pc and your xbox and whatever to the point that like everybody can quote unquote play together and so what what do you even need D for if they keep creating content for something like baldur's gate 3 right and you can have the party dynamic 
so to speak, even though there's not really a lot of role playing you're doing amidst your party. You're still role playing with the rest of the atmosphere. Right. That, like you said, that could be the Uh, future. I think that's the future. I think we're seeing the future of the rebirth of, I think tabletop RPGs had their resurgence. And now I think MMOs are having their resurgence in a different light. Um, And I think that's the same group of people who wanted to experience role-playing games, but necessarily didn't, didn't necessarily feel comfortable doing the role-playing like that. They go to MMOs. I think we're going to see a resurgence of games kind of like the era when WoW took over. Um, but it's different. It's a different kind of thing. I think you're getting a different experience. I think it's appealing to different players. Um, and maybe they'll wean off some of the players that came into role-playing through Critical Role or Dimension 20 or those type of campaigns, the, the online boom and the COVID boom of role-playing games. Um, but I think that AI in that context and AI in the context of TTRPDs are actually quite different. Um, I think they, there's a definitely a, a crossover appeal. I really want to play Diablo three. I haven't had a chance to or not Diablo three, uh, Baldur's Gate three. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I'm up. It appeals to me greatly, but it's a different a- appeal than sitting down at the table and playing Dungeons and Dragons. 100%. But we we're still, we, we kind of get away from the, we kind of got away from the point of um, how do you think AI contributes to the accessibility and inclusivity, inclusivity, of ttrpgs with players for for players with disabilities or things like that like do you think that that can be an asset yeah i do i think there's lots of benefits to it i mean they're tools right they're tools to help people and like we said uh ttrpgs call to neurodivergent people they call to people with Mm -hmm. social deficiencies and a big part of ttrpgs is role playing and you know exercising social skills so if you for example, we're not a very charismatic person, but wanted to play a charismatic character, something like a chat GPT or something that could write very charismatic dialogue for you. You could put what your general idea is. It could refine it and give you something to role play with that is more profound, perhaps, or more charismatic, more what you're trying to express. It could give your character a voice, even if you yourself don't have the base skills to make that happen mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely beneficial i mean you know it could be like a stephen hawking thing too where like you might not have a voice but if you have a program that you could type something into and it has like a voice option that allows you to express yourself that way that could be beneficial so yeah it could work for people with certain disabilities uh that could help them be as engaged or as involved but it's it's like a double-edged sword. Like it's gonna give some benefits to some, but it's gonna take some benefits away from others. And and right. while I love inclusivity, I still think that like don't bite the hand that fed you. Like D D, Wizards of the Coast, all these companies, we've been funding you. You exist because of the people who have come before. And I'm sure. not trying to say like keep it the way it was. Obviously, all things evolve and you need right. to keep changing and growing. But they're moving towards cutting a whole bunch of people out, a bunch of people who's, you know, grew up with their game and finally got jobs working for Wizards of the Coast after, you know, 20, 30 years of playing their games. They might lose their job tomorrow if they find a play, way to, re, you know, replace writers or way to replace artists. And that's just that's kind of a betrayal to the community they've created, I think. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of ethical concerns, not just job uh, jobs and like that. But there's also uh data privacy and consent and all that kind oh, of stuff we talked a little bit about before um so there's a lot of concerns that you're right it is a double-edged sword there's going to be a lot of people who are going to benefit from this and there's a lot of people who could definitely suffer from this 
And do you think it's the company's responsibility or our responsibility as players and game masters and the, the audience to police that? Like, obviously I'd like to see the companies do their own policing and some of them are, uh, I know Pathfinder, uh, uh, wow. Paizo, I was going to say Cobalt, but Paizo has basically said they're not going to use AI artwork. I'm pretty sure they said that. I know, I'm pretty sure Cobalt said that. I think uh, mm-hmm. a few companies look like they're hedging their bets on how it's going to go to see how the the fans react. But do you think it's the fans' responsibility to hold these companies to task? Or do you think it's the company's responsibility to take the higher road and really take these these ethical considerations into account when they're creating their content? Well, I think it's always been our responsibility as consumers. We we talk with our money. So yeah. all the people who have want to talk about the issues with Amazon or other big companies, while those issues are very valid, and yes, it would be nice to see more government oversight or more, you know, regulations put so that people aren't working themselves to death. Mm-hmm. We talk with our money. We can it does, complain. Yeah, no matter and, how much we complain about it, nobody really stops using Amazon. No. And as the, the more we fund it, the more we are giving our consent and approval to their practices, the more right. we are fueling the machine, as it were. So, yeah, in our own way, it is our job to police it. If we don't like what Wizards of the Coast is doing, stop giving them your money. Stop right. paying for that D&D Beyond subscription. Stop going to, you know, Wizards of the Coast and sponsored streams. Like, on stop my soapbox, just... Yeah, on my soapbox just a little bit. I heard as a store owner, I heard a lot of people complaining about Wizards of the Coast's tactics of late, the sending the Pinkertons to someone's house, using AI artwork, creating subpar products, all the other things that Wizards has done in the last the OGL, the last several years. Yet none of the people that I talked to ever canceled their DD Beyond subscription. They didn't buy the new books, they didn't cancel the subscriptions. So, like, where are you really at on this? If you're gonna take a stand. And you're going to withhold your money. You really got to think about actually doing that and taking it away. And if you're not, understand that that compliance is consent in this case. It really is. Whether you like that Big B, uh, the new Big B book has AI art in it. If you are supporting D&D Beyond, you are supporting the company that made that. And if you don't cancel your subscription, you are consenting to more of this kind of thing in the future. And it even goes a step beyond that, honestly. Like... Rather, not only do you have to stop giving them your money, you have to stop promoting their product through mm-hmm. your activities. You have to stop playing the game. As horrible as that sounds, even though you bought the books, every time you play the game with people who have never played the game before, you are advertising for Wizards of the Coast. Right. You are saying, hey, we're all getting together to play some D&D, even if it's not with the newest books or the newest minis or the newest whatever. That's not going to stop those people from saying, I had a great time and going and buying those books. Like you are advertising it across the board, going to the Dungeons and Dragons movie, playing Baldur's Gate. Like, yeah, you might stop using the TTRPG stuff, but you are funding Wizards of the Coast in one way or another if you are participating in any of those activities. And that's hard to do. We don't want to be doing this. We don't want to be having these problems. At heart, we still want to be entertained and we still want to have the things we want. But that's that's the issue, is if you really want to put a full stop to what they're doing, you need to stop signing off on their practices by endorsing their products, by giving right. them money, by being free advertising for them. Right. And again, it's not necessarily for, not everyone is necessarily opposed to the idea of using AI no, in these situations. Not. Um, I, again, I, as I said, I'm, I am very much opposed to certain applications of 
of AI, but sure. in other applications, I don't necessarily think it's necess- I don't think it's all that bad. Like there are, let's talk about some examples. And we've been beating up on D and D and that's not necessarily fair. Cause as I said before, they're not the only company that no, used AI. Not. No, 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 no. Um, and I do, we will do an episode where we talk about wizards and dungeons and dragons in the future. That'll be an upcoming episode. Um, but let's talk real quick about things that we can do at the table that barring regardless of system, regardless of game, regardless of anything like that, what we can do as players and as game masters to use AI in an ethical and responsible way. Like what can we do to utilize AI without abusing AI? Like I said, I use it for prompts. Um, I don't ever use it for straight up writing anything. I do use it for sometimes I, if I don't have an idea for Dungeons and Dragons story or any story, really, again, it's regardless of system. I've used it for Pendragon. Um, I've typed in something like write me a story uh, or or give me 10 prompts in the style of Pendragon, the role-playing game for an adventure. And it will. And it does an okay job. It's not great, but you can go through and pick them out and it gets your brain working. Um, yeah. I've used it to generate stats uh, for NPCs. I don't think it does a very good job of that either, but okay. Um, what are some other yes. things you can think of? What's that? Uh, yet yet it's not yet. good at, at creating npcs but give it time like you said yeah. two years who knows um and I one thing that, about chat gpt is it doesn't use any data that is more than in the last two years it, it's using old data so it doesn't have the most current stuff right right but it will eventually but eventually i think all things in moderation you know i think that if you want to create a visual and maybe your words aren't doing you justice, like you're trying to describe a monster or you're trying to describe a location, uh, something that can automatically generate an image for you so you don't have to spend, you know, hours searching for something or worried about using someone else's artwork without their permission. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of of kind of like hills you've got to cross to kind of use that kind of stuff. Whereas if you could just create something on the spot, just to be like, okay, you're in a dungeon that looks like this, or, you know, you're facing a monster that looks like this, or I mean, what storyteller or dungeon master hasn't had the issue of like, I got to come up with another fucking name. Like (laughs) I got to think of another NPC name, having something that could generate that for you could be great. I think that, the challenge for people who start incorporating that kind of technology into their games and into their tables, you've got to be careful of moderation, all things sure. in moderation. You still have to work out your brain muscles and you still have to try to come up with it on your own because the more and more you incorporate it, the again, it's going to numb you. It's going to dull you. It's going to, you know, dull your senses and your your creativity to the point that it just becomes a full on reliance for this thing that you're not coming up with names on your own or prompts on your own or stories or imagery on your own. And that is going to, in the long term, hurt your skills. It's like an atrophied muscle. If you don't use it enough, it's going to stop working and the technology is going to take its place so yeah in a pinch it's a great thing to have i have been that tired storyteller dungeon master who still wants to play but does not have the mental energy to create something for the players that doesn't have the mental energy to come up with names or monsters or encounters or whatever and uh i've i've found myself relying on pre-written stuff before as an inspiration to build something off of that like i'll I'll start using a a pre-written adventure and then i'll be like you know what let's divert from this i've got an even better idea than where this is going and that's that's, fine 
Yeah, that's one thing I think that AI can be very good for is it 100%. can get you rolling. And once you're rolling, uh, a good quality GM or even GMs who are really engaged in what they're doing and players will be able to take that idea that started with the chat GPT prompt and roll out this much better, bigger story than they would have otherwise yeah. gotten. I think that's absolutely right. Now, I don't really personally think anybody has a, I, I don't have a problem with anybody using AI at their table, uh, their private table. However, there are a lot of people now who are doing stream games. I just finished up my streamed campaign for Star Trek Adventures. Uh, you are getting ready to get, come back to uh, Save Me By Night. What are your thoughts on people providing content like that, which are theoretically professional content that we could make money doing this? What do you feel about people doing using AI artwork or you know fully generated stories on AI that in that capacity? Personally, well, I think I, you shouldn't do yeah. that, but that's my personal. No, I agree. I mean, again, you're putting your name on someone else's work. Even right. if it is millions of other people's work, even if, you know, it is sourcing just little bits from across the Internet, it's not yours. Anymore. Right. And you can't it's not we, there's there are rules right now. You can't copyright AI anything. You can't copyright right. AI written work. You can't copyright AI artwork because it is derived so heavily from everything else. There's no uniqueness to it. It's all right. generative art. Um, so I, I yeah. keep going. I think you're right. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to outsource. Give credit to people you outsource. If you want to brainstorm with people for campaign ideas, you know, make those people a part of the process and give them credit where credit is due. If you need artwork, there are literally millions of people who make amazing art. Right. So put your money towards it. Put your money where your mouth is. You're going to be making money off of it. Maybe not a lot. Trust me, not right. a lot. But like you're going to be making money off <laughs> of it. So like. Why not spread the wealth? Why not, you know, share with people, find people who are willing to donate just for publicity's sake. Like there are people, artists who, you know, are on the rise who might give you free artwork as long as you give them credit for the artwork that you're using. Right. Um, but on that note, don't expect artists to give you art for free. No. It's, their, it's their work. They deserve to be paid for it. Absolutely. And, and exposure is not payment. No, it's not. And it's one thing to say, like, hey, we'll start with this. But that's also on the artist to say, I'm not yes. going to keep giving you stuff for free. Like, yes. maybe something to start or maybe make an arrangement, but also get everything in writing. Well, and just be, be reasonable when you expect something. Yeah, I, I know of one of the big things that people really look to AI for is it helps them create art where they can't afford to pay for an artist to create for them. And I get that. I don't have a lot of money to, to throw no. at tabletop RPGs. Uh, I mean, that's not true. I spent a ton of money on RPGs, but I don't have a lot of money to spend on extra artwork. For one, I play theater of the mind, so I don't use a lot of artwork to begin with. I don't use miniatures. Right. I don't use that, that kind of stuff. So I don't have a lot of extra disposable income for that. So I understand that artists, that people want to use this artwork and, and do these things, but you are taking money away from artists by doing that. And I think that if your excuse for using AI is I can't afford it or I don't want to pay anyone that's a poor excuse. I think the justification for using AI art is I needed it quickly. I couldn't find an artist I needed to be able to do it in the time frame I needed, uh, or I'm not using it in commercial context. Like I, I'm not going to be making money off of this in any way. I think if you're going to have any chance of making money, you need to give credit where credit's due, and credit really means money. Well, and the truth is, AI is solving a problem we don't have. 
it's it's solving a problem we don't have because we we have solutions to that problem people are just unwilling to do what it takes they're yes. unwilling to source the money they're unwilling to budget themselves they're unwilling to go without and have to rely upon their creativity or you know find another avenue right. instead it's just like hey Here's a quick fix. And while yes. that seems great on the forefront, I think the long-term ramifications and problems that are going to come from that are way more detrimental than yeah. the problem ever was. And I think people are going to feel attacked by that phrase, by the idea that they're not willing to do the work or it's solving a problem that, that doesn't really exist. The thing is, is we went generations of gamers, not, not, not little generations, but generations of gaming without this AI thing and Absolutely. we either had to make through do without it or we had to pay people to do it so you're right it is solving a problem that didn't really truly exist um and by doing so i think it's creating a sense of entitlement to newer players or even older players people like me who who don't have a lot of money to spend on this artwork but feel like this artwork would enhance our product our quality our our not just, I don't mean product in sense I'm selling something, but product in like I, what I'm telling a story is the, my product. I'm telling a story, even if it's just around a campfire. Um, and if I can enhance that in some way cheaply or free, then I should have the right to do that. But I don't think you necessarily do just outright have the, I don't know, the right, I guess, to, to do that. Well, and I, this is going to be fairly controversial. I'll probably get some hate for it, but the world doesn't need another shitty D and D stream. The world doesn't <laughs> need another, you know, mass produced. I mean, there's so much noise out there as is it's just thinning the herd more and more. It's, sure. it's just watering down the, which is, the community more and more, which so, is not to I'm say not, if you're having fun doing a stream, no, you shouldn't have do fun, it. but also know your limits know what you're capable of and what is respectful and set a standard for yourself of if I can't afford it, I'm not going to cheaply outsource it. I'm not going to, you know, take spoons or take food out of people's mouths just to be able to do this. Like have some respect for a community that you're a part of and don't deprive it just because you can think, Think about the long-term effect your your actions and your stream is having, and you'll remain a part of the respectful streaming community right. instead of you know another. So you're basically hinting at the idea that if you are a more if you if there are two streams that have ten viewers, um, neither one is making any money at that point. They're just doing it for fun, uh, and that's fine. I think the that's most fine. I ever gotten that's in totally my shows, fun. yeah, I think the most I ever gotten in any of my shows was like thirty five. Um, would you be more willing to watch one that is using AI artwork and has a higher production value, but the the storytelling style is the same, but one is has a higher production value than the other one that is being more honest and respectful and, and uh, cognizant of the community? I personally wouldn't prefer that, but I can see why people would. I think a mm -hmm. lot of people are willing to put pull the wool over their own eyes for the sake of entertainment, for the sake of content, for the sake of, of, you know, personal enjoyment. Uh, and that, that goes back to what we were saying about Amazon. Like you want your thing in two days, even if it's right. not ethical because it's there and because you right. use it. Um, and it, so if you I think grow that, your stream that way, yes, it's capitalism. That's another, there's, 
there is that element to it. You're doing what you have to do to make money, but at the same time, are you doing it ethically? And you know, are, are you being evil? Yeah, 100%. And I think that that's, that's kind of to an individual sake, but I do see, yeah, I could see higher production value. I mean, that's what they're always pushing with all social media, with all media. There's kind of an expectation that like you have to have a certain amount of TikTok quality to be a, a, influencer on tiktok and the same goes for streams the pressure is on to have a high production value stream and that's because of things like critical role and dimension 20 that if you aren't performing at that level you're something that's not worth being viewed but right that well, also comes back to what are you trying to do you you're never yeah. going to be dimension 20 you're never going to be critical role you're never going to be matt mercer as a storyteller like you are never going to be these things so like the pressure's off you can take the pressure off yourself you're never going to be that stop maybe. trying to i mean i may not be the next matt mercer but i could be the next me you know you can be the, the- first you It'd be the first me, right? But so one thing, I, I, this is a, a slightly, it's not off topic, but it's a slightly broader macro uh, look at things. We live in a world now where everything and everyone is a brand. Like if you are in public, even if you're just on social media, you have you are a brand. Everything you do is branding. And this is something the younger generation, like our generation, didn't have to deal with this nearly as much as the kids growing up in school. Now your your kids, um, and like they're that generation, and even the Gen Zers and stuff like that. It's there. Everything is brand. Everything is brand. Everything. Personally, I don't want my brand, which right now is studio Tembo and a few other things that I do. I don't want that associated with it using AI artwork. I don't want that associated with, um, you know, the, I, I don't want that Bill Cosby stink on me. You know, the Bill Cosby yeah. was doing, we know what Bill was doing. I'm not going to get into right, that. Right. Let's we're yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get that kind of, of hate on me. And it's not that I have a fear of the backlash i'm not afraid of being canceled i don't have anything to lose in this context but i to me i feel better when someone can see my product and know that i am giving them the authentic me it was as authentic as i can be being a brand right um now when i created the chat rbg logo let's again this is using i didn't use ai art but i did take someone else's artwork i used le chat noir which is a very famous french cat painting in france yeah um it is common it is open it is a a pass it's copyright so i used it because i thought it would be i thought it was clever let's chat noir let's le chat noir or let's chat rpg i thought it was clever Um, i think it probably isn't but that kind of thing i think if you're using other people's artwork in a creative and new way and presenting it in a new light i think you can there's nothing wrong with that i think that's the whole point of copyrights expiring right exactly um, and this does public domain copyright law public domain that's the word i was looking for before mm-hmm. um the things that we get from things falling to public domain uh and being able to use derive something new from old artwork the sherlock holmes tv show starring benedict cumberbatch um that that show exists because sherlock is public domain yep. and it's an amazing show that set pumpkin banner coots career on fire um and i think like you can do a lot with that but i i think that that's not the argument that is being made when it comes to using ai artwork um i'm not sure that argument shouldn't be made i'm not a lawyer um but i think right now the 
I, when I'm doing my own art, when I'm doing my creative stuff, I don't want, I don't feel it's the same. I don't feel that I'm using something that has been in public domain and public life for so long and I'm putting a new spin on it. I think using AI artwork is using some, taking something that is current in the current world and manipulating it, bastardizing it in a way. Um, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't be profiting on that is in my opinion. Well, this goes back to what I said about there are no, or at least very few original ideas left. Yes. Everything is inspired by something. Parody has existed for hundreds of years. The concept of parody, taking yeah. something that someone else has created and putting your own twist or spin on it. I uh, imagine the first, I imagine the oldest joke in history is a parody. So absolutely. And bringing up Sherlock is a perfect example. Sherlock, the concept of Sherlock itself is not an original idea. Even sure, even Arthur Conan Doyle, like not original. The concept of like an investigator investigating things, not an original idea. However, I think that it is people's interpretation, putting their own creative spin on it, using mm -hmm. authors and writers and actors. You're going to get a lot more unique input on a previously adopted idea and yeah. so it's not going to be the same thing it's not like they're doing hound of the baskervilles word for word in the way it was intended right. from the novel like they're going to put their own creative spin on it but that takes people that takes the involvement of people and creative minds and different right. perspectives every and performance you, of shakespeare is its own piece of art Right, 100%. Or we'd have stopped doing it a long time ago. If there was only one way to do it, Hamilton wouldn't be touring the country and selling out auditoriums everywhere because Lin-Manuel's not in it. Like, these things these things take a life of their own beyond just the original idea. And that's why I don't mind people paying homage to something or people adapting something and, and right. taking inspiration from something. But I think that Again, using a machine to do it isn't necessarily the right way, especially when there is an opportunity to use people, to right. use, you know, to, to pay people who that's their thing. That's what they, you know, have trained to do or they have learned to do or spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in school to do. Let's use people before we rely on machines. Yes, there's a lot of good machines can do. This place would be a wasteland if it weren't for machines, and we'd all be living right. to the age of 40 right. and then dying if it wasn't for machines. But there's a difference between necessity and luxury, and I feel like sure. this is a luxury. That's this a is good a, point. Uh, yeah. yeah, luxury. Uh, it is luxury. And I, you, you mentioned uniqueness also. I think that's where it comes down to uh, – the luxury, the luxury is, there's two luxuries, really. We have the luxury of having everything be unique, and we have the luxury of being able to, to not have that. And I think if you're going to use one or the other, I think you should choose to have as original as possible. Uh, there's a saying in the firefighting industry that's try before you pry, which means try, try just to open a door before you use the big tool and break somebody's stuff. And I think that right. is, a, is apt to this moment, this discussion where there is it's a problem that doesn't need to be solved because you could just open the door. Um, on the other hand, you have this machine that can open that door forcefully and take something from someone else. Um, and that's, that's, I think my thought on it anyways. Um, well, if ahead. they really wanted to do AI in a ethical way, and I'm not sure 
that's even possible or interested or of interest to them. Right. It's one thing to say like, Hey, we've got this thing that creates stuff. You can willingly submit your art, your writing, your whatever to this thing. And it'll do its thing with what you've created because you have volunteered it. But the truth of the matter is it is stealing. This machine is stealing from people and it's doing so in a way that it can kind of get away with it, but it's, it's stealing. Like a lot of the art out there that you're seeing online, a lot of the photos, a lot of the stock footage, a lot of the, all that stuff is copywritten, is put Mm -hmm. out there for artists to try and build their brand or to build their industry. They're not giving it away. They're putting it out there as an advertisement. Right. These apps are scraping from deviant art and other places like that and taking art without consent. Yeah, 100%. And they can get away with it because they're doing their Dr. Frankenstein thing with it and just taking bits and pieces and inspiration from it. Um, but it it is stealing. At the end of the right. day, it is it is stealing, even if it is the kind of like wormy take a couple cents off or a couple percentages of a cent off of a transaction. It's still stealing. Yeah. Um, and so I think that if it were to back up to a place of like, yes, we have this service and everything that comes from this service is all donated, is all public domain as as a way of putting it, um, that I would have less of an issue with. But that's not what's happening. Like sure. we need to see beyond the veil of what's happening. It is I think it brings up an interesting concept. Uh, if an artist were to create, use an AI generative d- device, uh, the code for AI generation, add only their artwork into it and then have, player, have people go and pay that artist even a dollar or whatever it is you're paying uh, a regular artist. Like if Louis Royo had his own AI thing, like I would pay money to Louis Royo's AI bot to make a Louis Royo type artwork. Uh, I would absolutely pay to do that, but I think you're right. I think that's an interesting concept, but uh, yeah. And I think that it's, it's completely possible. Yeah. I think it would be a fun, I think that's a really, I think it's a really novel idea of how it could be done, how AI could be done in an ethical fashion. Um, I also think that people who who know their art has been taken by an AI should have the right to withdraw that or, or get a court injunction or something like that to have that removed. But that's yeah. a whole other level of the conversation, uh, getting the legal well, stuff. Well, they can but, afford it. That's the other thing. Lawyers well, yeah, exactly. and everything. Like, you can't beat the machine if the machine has more money than you. Right. And, of course, people are paying the machine to make this artwork that is, yeah, it's all comes back to the some of the evils that come from certain types of capitalism and solving a problem we didn't have and solving a problem we didn't have let's go ahead and do i'm gonna do i've got three pros and three cons of using ai in tabletop rpgs and we'll go over that and then we'll do our final thoughts and we'll move on uh, we'll do our gratitudes and then we'll go so the, the first pro i think is ai art and writing can be used uh to create new and unique experiences for players if used appropriately by the game master i think that's something we both agree on yes Uh, AI can help creators save time and money on art uh, and writing tasks, whether that's right or wrong. It can be done. Can be done. Uh, Can be done. Uh, AI can be used to create art uh, and writing that would be difficult or impossible to produce by human artists or writers. I am not sure that is a true thing, a true statement, but it is one of the one of the pros that came up when I was asking around. It's it's again, it's a thing that. If you're willing to do the work to get it, you can get it. If you're willing to source up the money, if you're willing to do the research, because a lot of the things that you want, you can find, you can find it if you do enough digging. Like, I mean, 
digging for certain images or certain words or certain whatever, you can do it, but it takes time and it takes effort and it takes money and it takes research and it takes, you know, it takes a lot. It's going to cost you something, even if it's not. I I don't believe that. I don't believe that the machines that I don't believe that the AI algorithms or any that can, can do something, uh, can create a piece of art or writing that is something that is impossible for humans to do. I mean, obviously they, it might be something that we didn't create. I think they can create original concept, original things. I don't think they're thinking about it. They're using our prompts and whatnot, but they're definitely not. It, it can be cr- new, but it can't be, I think, impossible for a human mind to come up with. So it's not manifesting something that doesn't exist. It's or that it's, couldn't exist or couldn't exist. It's taking pieces of things that do exist and mashing them together. Yeah. Um, three cons, uh, AI art and writing may not be as high quality as humans right now. That is certainly true, but I don't think that's going to be necessarily true in the long not run forever. No, uh, AI art and writing may be perceived as unethical, disrespectful to human creators. I think we discussed a lot about that. And I think that's it's absolutely stealing. It's yeah, I think it's absolutely true. Uh, and the perception, I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's objectively unethical or, dis- or disrespectful, but it certainly has the potential to be that. Um, and the use of AI art and writing may lead to job losses, for human artists and writers, which we talked about. I think that's all things we can agree on, right? 100%. All right. Ultimately, the decision for whether or not to use AI art or writing in TTRPG books or your individual table, your stream is your decision. It's the individual creator uh, or in this case, not necessarily creator, but the individual uh, content j- producer um, to decide. There are pros and cons to using AI. You may get backlash. I'm sure this episode's going to get some backlash. I'm hoping this episode generates some conversation. Um, the, and But you must weigh these factors when you're making that decision. Um, yeah. People are so. going to do what they're going to do, and we can't stop them. I mean, people created this without asking the world if it needed it. You know, right. people people are going to do what they want, and here's to them. That's that's what freedom is. That's well, what, before you pushing know. the boundaries of technology and advancement too. Like Absolutely. I think that that's something that we should be doing. Like discovery for the sake of discovery, and this is this is that this is AI being is, has been created for the sake of pushing the limits of human creativity and, and create a uh, human capability. So I think that's good, but no thing, no device ever created on its own is evil by nature. It's how we use it. Know what we do with it. Except cancer, fuck cancer. Well, um, yeah. But we well, let's use that, the so. AI to cure cancer and, and solve homelessness before we worry about creating another D and D piece <laughs> of art or another stream. Sure. Like <laughs> priorities, um, people. Right. But I mean, that's, Money is priority. So, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely, uh, it, it's up to you to decide what you want to do. And again, there's a disclaimer at the end of the show, and I really want to point that out. It's, it's in the show notes, uh, in the show credits. And I really want to point out this is everything that we're saying here is just an opinion. And that opinion may change with new evidence, new context, new, you know, everything changes, right? Um, the views and opinions expressed by the people on the show, including myself, may not necessarily be my own views and opinions or the views and opinions of those who were saying them. Um, we are talking, we're arguing, we're discussing. Uh, if you have something you want to bring up and you have a point that you want to bring up to this topic, please take it in the context of we're here to discuss the topic, not necessarily be firmly rooted in the idea. Like we're all open to our having our minds changed because we're grown up people. So. Don't uh, don't send hate mail so much as 
male that can be constructive. That's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, listen, I look I'm forward not, to people's content. I'm not judging people who choose to benefit from this. I mean, if right. you see an opportunity, grab it. There's so few of them in this day and age that don't cost more than we can afford. Like we are, we are stretched thin. We are stretched tight. And yes. so resolving to that, resorting to that, I don't, I don't fault anyone for that. Anything that can give you a leg up or an advantage or even just a benefit, I understand going for it. But I think that just putting in a little bit further thought beyond your own situation, because realize as thin as you're stretched, so are the artists, so are yes. the writers. I mean, Hollywood is on strike. All of it. The yes. writers and the actors. Like, it is fully on strike right now. So, and you know it's not just the millionaires that are on strike it is it is the day-to-day workers who are on the risk of of going homeless if it weren't certain funds like right everybody is stretched thin and so just think a little bit more beyond how it's going to benefit you who is it going to detract from but I, yes. I don't fault anyone i've been financially strapped and needed a map for a game or needed a a piece of art for a game and i'll i'll say i've gone around boundaries to do so like i've taken other people's work and used it but also i wasn't making money doing that right i was just doing it for a night's enjoyment with my friends so it's just consider the ramifications of what you're doing but i don't fault anyone for doing it i totally understand the motivation for doing it and i totally understand how this could be beneficial on a day-to-day but it's beyond the day-to-day. We have to think of the future generations of this right. hobby. The, of the potential this harm this could be doing. Long-term. As well as long-term. the benefit that it could be giving Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and do gratitudes. Uh, I'm going to start today just because I have one, and if I don't say it now, I will forget about it. Um, and I shouldn't because it's my gratitude is an easy one for this episode. I'm very grateful to the actual writers, artists, and creators who are out there who are... Uh, I know how hard it is to write. I write... Uh, according to Grammarly, which is an AI art platform, uh, AI writing platform, I wrote five and a half million words last year. Um, I didn't make a money on none of them words, but I like writing and I, I respect the people who can do it, uh, on a professional level and get that out there into the world. I think writers and artists, um, deserve all the credit because they're not just a reflection of our society. They are something that helps not just hold the mirror, but actually create uh, society as a whole. So I think that's something I'm very grateful for. Yeah, I, I mean, I would echo that. I'm I'm grateful to the artists and writers of the present, as well as the artists and the writers of the past. I mean, there are those who came before the the very founders of D and D who probably aren't scraping a cent off of it, or you may not not even be alive anymore. Well, yeah, they're uh, not alive anymore. From how much this game has grown and expanded, and how much this hobby has grown and expanded to be where we're at now like we're we're standing on the shoulders of giants so to speak and it just that tower just keeps getting taller with each generation yeah um but also i'm I'm grateful to the people who are stretching the limits of technology i'm grateful that we are trying things and that we aren't becoming complacent like i'm glad that ai is a thing because it could potentially solve a lot of problems Maybe not problems we, don't we, know have, we have, even ones we don't know <laughs> we have. But like, you know, we're, we're heading somewhere amazing. 
or potentially dangerous or potentially catastrophic. Who knows? But right. that's that's how we get here. We wouldn't have things like D&D and TTRPGs if someone didn't just try something, even if it was right. something we didn't need. So yeah. I'm grateful to innovators and inventors. Yep. Awesome. All right. With that, I think we can go ahead and call it a night. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, if you have hate mail or even love mail, you want to send us, uh, there should be a link in the link tree below. Uh, there, if there isn't a form there, I will create a form that will specifically for this show. Uh, and maybe this episode even, I don't know. Um, but you can find this podcast anywhere that fine podcasts are giving me absolutely free. I believe that I am now actually up on Apple. Uh, that, that was the last one I was waiting for. We're on Alexa. We're on Google. We're on, uh, tune in iHeartRadio. If you can find us, if you, if you look for us, you can find us uh, also on YouTube uh, and feel free to share this episode and any other of my episodes or any other shows that are on Studio Tembo's uh, production with anyone and everyone that you uh, think might enjoy them or might hate them and have an opinion that they want to send me. So, uh, and as I, I don't think I said it in this episode, but I said it in one of my uh, intro episodes. Um, we are always looking for your stories and your uh, questions that we will answer. I will answer on camera. I will ask the guests, anybody, any guests doesn't matter. Um, and questions you have about game systems or the ethics of gaming or how to find players, really any question related, related to, to gaming, your stories, blunders, triumphs, uh, all that stuff. I will find a better way to say this in a future episode that does not make me stumbling over my own tongue. Um, but with that, uh, on behalf of myself and Kent, do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, if you have any hate mail, send it to the show, not to me. Don't don't seek out my social media to give me hate mail. Uh, but uh, you can find me at Michigan on all social media, and you can find St. Pete by Night at St. Pete by Night on all social media. Uh, but yeah, I'm so happy to be here, and I hope I can return for future episodes. Yeah, and there you go. You don't have to go hunting down his social media to send him hate. You know exactly where they are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I shot myself in the foot on that one. Uh, all right. Uh, there's a link in the link tree below. Uh, there's a link tree in the stuff below. I cannot get that said properly in any episode. <laughs> You'll ever. get it. You'll I can't it. do it. I've been saying that same phrase or trying to say the same, the same phrase correctly for almost two years. I cannot do it. In the links below is a link tree that has more links in it to stuff that you can do. Uh, I'm going to go to chatbot and be like, write me an outro. Yeah, I should do that. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Uh, really, I just need to sit down and actually write one. I, I was trying to do my reviews <laughs> for an episode true. earlier today, and I, I'm like, I need an outline. I can't do this. Um, I was stumbling over myself. It's terrible. Anyways, on behalf of myself, on behalf of Kent and uh, everyone here at the Wandering Pod Studios, which is an old, old reference, uh, thanks and so long. So long and thanks for all the fish. Mm-hmm.